You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Russian operators breached two Florida counties' voting systems, but without altering vote counts. Symantec, McAfee, and Trend Micro are thought to be the security vendors hit by FXMSP cyber criminals. WhatsApp patches a flaw exploited to install spyware. The Equifax breach seems to have cost the company $1.4 billion. Companies are increasingly aware of data's potential toxicity. Cisco patches two flaws, and Endless Mayfly peddled fake news on behalf of Iran. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, May 14, 2019. In news that broke late this morning, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said that he'd met with the FBI and that the Bureau confirmed that Russian operators succeeded in intruding into the voting systems of two counties in the state. He declined to name the two counties, but did say that no vote tallies were affected. We'll be watching this story as it develops over the week. Bleeping Computer writes that Symantec, McAfee, and Trend Micro were among the security firms allegedly breached by the FXMSP hackers. Trend Micro says data from a test lab had been accessed by unauthorized parties, but that no source code or customer information were compromised. Symantec denied being affected at all, and McAfee says it's investigating. Bleeping Computer identified the companies from unredacted FXMSP chat logs it received from advanced intelligence researchers. There's no word yet about a rumored fourth victim, nor is there any further confirmation of whether the breach is as serious a matter as some hold it to be. WhatsApp has patched a vulnerability that permitted remote installation of NSO Group's Pegasus Intercept tool. It's unknown how many phones were affected, The University of Toronto's Citizen Lab says they're aware of at least one probable case. The vulnerability is said to have affected both Android and iOS devices. NSO Group said it would not have been involved in such activity and that it's investigating. The flaw that allowed the hack was, WhatsApp explained, a buffer overflow vulnerability in the VoIP stack that permitted remote code execution through specially crafted packets sent to a target's phone number. Facebook, which owns WhatsApp, has urged users to apply the patch that's available. What's the cost of a breach? In the case of Equifax, 
InfoSecurity magazine reports that so far it's cost the company $1.4 billion. Perhaps with figures like that in mind, firms are concluding that many of the data lost in breaches needn't have been collected in the first place. The database of some 200 million individuals' information is circulating in what CSO calls the gray market, while it doesn't include such tripwire data as social security, passport, driver's license, or credit card numbers. It contains 42 fields of great interest but dubious direct marketing value. No one has fessed up to being the source of the leak, but speculation is centering on a third party who may have acquired the data from a credit bureau. A large number of retailers are coming around to view that it's better not to have the data in the first place. The workforce shortage facing the cybersecurity industry means it's more important than ever to spark an interest among kids in STEM. There's an organization not far from our studios here in Maryland that aims to do just that. The CyberWire's Tamika Smith has the story. Sounds of robots are common in the underground workshop nestled below an office building in Maryland. It's the headquarters for a nonprofit called Hackground. Now, any of the kids want to talk? I mean, it's yeah, your robot. Of course, please. What's your name? Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm the. I was on. I'm on the mechanical team. Helped to build this robot. Andrew Lai is an 11th grader at Reservoir High School in Maryland. Lai is one of nearly a hundred creators building robots for competition. He's very bright and slightly shy. So it uses a, a tank drive, which means each side is controlled uh, by a different joystick. He says it usually takes their team six weeks to build a robot for competition, but it's just part of what Hackground does. So what we do is we teach classes in robotics. Uh, we, teach, we run competitive teams in robotics, drones, rockets. Prasad Karunakaran is the not-for-profit's founder and visionary. He got the concept for it about a decade ago after going on an adventure to find a robotics team for his sons to join. It led him about 20 miles away from home. Before even starting, I went to Baltimore. There was a robotics competition, and I was just intrigued by this competition. And in my mind, I, even, I didn't remember this till my neighbor pointed it out. To anyone who knows Karuna Karun, his neighbor going on a field trip with him is not uncommon. He's all about involving the community. Before Hackground, he started in his basement with the neighborhood kids and his sons, Siddharth and Anurag. Inevitably, kids grow up, and that presented a new challenge. So I created two teams. So the second team was for my middle schooler. So I kind of played a little game, went to the middle school and said, Hey, PTA, can we start a robotics team here? I just wanted four kids to fill up my, my middle school kids' team. I had 25 kids show up. By 2014, he officially created Hackground. It's grown to be a STEM home of sorts for more than 100 students of all ages. A sign, Karana Karun says, that there's a growing interest in science, technology, engineering, and math among today's youth. The bad guys and the tools that the bad guys use are more sophisticated so the threats are expanding, they're increasing, and there's an increasing need. This growth is exactly what Taylor Aberding writes about for Synopsys, a software company. His focus is on cybersecurity and privacy and says there'll be more positions than people with the skills to fill them. The United States job shortage is an estimated 300,000 jobs. In other words, unemployment is below zero, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Um, and worldwide, that figure is in the millions. One of the estimates I saw said that two years from now, the worldwide job short, the 
you know, shortage of skills will be uh, 3.5 million. The projected deficit is driving states like Maryland and Michigan and companies like Capital One Bank and Booz Allen to dedicate funding to STEM initiatives, creating a fertile space for this expanding field. It's even a cause President Trump is making more prominent. He created the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Act in 2018. The men and women of the new Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency will be on the front lines. He goes on to outline how this new department will impact Homeland Security. They will partner with the private sector and all levels of government to defend America's power grids, banks, telecommunications, and other critical parts of our economy. But Ron Therian, a semi-retired computer engineer for General Electric, doesn't need a push from the president to start helping. But in the end, you actually competed very well. He spent the last decade of his life mentoring students in the Washington, D.C. area. I mean, I had a, a girl that she was wanted to go to school for music. And she came in and we moved around doing different things. And she's going to school right now to be an electrical engineer. Uh, and, you know, she thanked me for, for, you know, sending her down that path. This summer, one of the program students will be graduating into a new mentor role of his own. He's a robotics creator showing interest in many areas. And I want to just throw a plug in for Mario. Like, you know, you know what this is? This is a Google Home. Mario made it here. It's a homemade Google Home. It's a homemade Google Home. You made this, Mario? Yeah. <laughs> does this actually work, Mario? Yeah. <laughs> it does. Mario Moray started learning with Karana Karan when it was a small community gathering in a basement. He was about 12 then. Now he's 16 and feels ready to teach an emerging field of STEM, ethical hacking. So this summer I'm going to be running an ethical hacking camp. So I want to get kids introduced to the like hacking world, and because um, Hackron was built on the term that hacking isn't something that's supposed to be bad. It's supposed to be something that's um, educational and good. Although there's a projected shortfall in the number of people like him going into the field. There is no lack of grassroots efforts by communities and state governments preparing current generations for the rapidly changing field of technology. For the CyberWire, I'm Tamika Smith. Tamika Smith is the newest member of our CyberWire team. You'll be hearing a lot more from her in the coming weeks. We're excited to have her on board, and we hope you'll join us in welcoming her. Cisco is patching vulnerabilities discovered and reported by researchers at Red Balloon Security. One of them, called ThrangryCat, affects the Trust Anchor module, which is a proprietary hardware security chip Cisco has used in its equipment since 2013. The vulnerability allows attackers with root access to install backdoors in Cisco devices. By itself, ThrangryCat isn't much of a problem since it does, after all, require root access. Unfortunately, another vulnerability, a remote execution flaw without a cute name, it's known only as CVE-2019-1862, can be chained with ThrangryCat to provide the access necessary to install those backdoors. Cisco products are, of course, in use worldwide, so while there are no reports of exploitation in the wild yet, it's a matter of some concern. Cisco issued fixes for both vulnerabilities yesterday. The University of Toronto's Citizen Lab has attributed a multi-year, multilingual influence operation to Iran. The lab offers its attribution with what it calls moderate confidence. The narratives being pushed were unsurprising. They are directed against the United States, the great Satan, Israel, the lesser Satan, 
and Saudi Arabia, the throbbing heart of what is Sunni heresy, at least from an Iranian Shiite point of view. Citizen Lab called the campaign Endless Mayfly, and therein lies a tale. The mayfly is, of course, a member of an order of primitive insect, whose adults have a proverbially short lifespan, as low as five minutes in some species, and in any case too short for the adult imago to even enjoy a decent meal, so a day or so tops. So too with the stories pushed by Endless Mayfly. They swarmed, hit the internet, and then were gone, like their insect namesake. Those of you who are connoisseurs of the lower-end supermarket checkout line tabloids will recognize the telltale short lifespan of the preposterously bogus news story, while Woody Woodpecker's Sad Last Days or Minnie Mouse's Amazing Diet Tips might have some traction and what journalists used to call legs. The more amazing stories tend to rise to become screamer headlines but then sink without a trace, winding up probably somewhere below the Snickers bars and the astrological pamphlets. Thus, you'd think headlines like President Obama negotiates trade agreement with space aliens, or Hitler, age 92, behind Argentina's invasion of the Falklands, would warrant some follow-up. You'd think, right? By the way, our supermarket checkout line desk assures us that they saw exactly those headlines in the wild back in the day. But no, you never hear of them again. Next week, they're on to something else. And that's how it was with Endless Mayfly, their stories were less entertaining, to be sure, than intergalactic trade agreements or the secret history of late 20th century South Atlantic conflict, but they were equally implausible and equally short-lived. They also gained little apparent traction and not much amplification on social media. So, scoff if you wish, but do note that Tehran's cyber operators learned quickly and got better fast. There's every reason to think they're going to get better at information operations, too. Their basic technique was simple but proven, typo-squatting, with fairly convincing landing pages that mimicked those of real publications, including Bloomberg, The Guardian, The Atlantic, and Politico. So you might easily misread a URL containing the Atlantic and be left either marveling at James Fallow's scoop or wondering what in the world had gotten into him. Stay in school, friends, because as you know, spelling always counts. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Daniel Prince. He's a senior lecturer in cybersecurity at Lancaster University. Daniel, it's great to have you back. Um, We wanted to talk today about uh, asymmetric information in attacker-defender dynamics. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there. What do you have to share with us today? Well, thanks for having me back on. Uh, So this came from working with uh, one of my uh, behavioral economics uh, colleagues here at the university um, and generally having conversations around this idea from economics of asymmetric information um, and what that does to markets and um, different parties and how they behave Uh, and then reflecting on what happens in cybersecurity and particularly with uh, sort of a cyber risk management hat on or a defender hat on. Oftentimes, uh, as a defender, uh, we obviously know a large proportion of our network. We can start to think about how we would attack it, but we have a significant amount of information about that network. If you have the total map of the network, you can plot the best and most logical route. But for attackers, they incrementally, typically incrementally, build up a picture over time of uh, the network that you have and the systems that you have. So they start out with much less information. That results in potentially attack pathways and, uh, and, and ways they attack the network, which seem illogical to the defender, but very logical to the attacker, because they have incomplete and impartial information. The result of that is just thinking about, actually, how do we use that to our advantage as, as a defender? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm reminded of that old parable about, uh, you know, the group of blind men trying to describe an elephant by feel. And each of them approaches a different part of the creature. And so they have a different uh, description because they all, each of them has an incomplete uh, part of the whole. Yeah, and that's, that's, I think that's the, the sort of the heart of the problem. And one of the key things that we need to do as defenders is to think about how we can use this to, to our advantage in terms of designing the responses, but also be aware of that because um, what we think to be the most likely attack pathway will bias to defending against that pathway. But we've got to remember that as an attacker, they may not ever see that pathway. In your analogy, they may not ever see the trunk. So if they only see four legs, uh, then they're only going to develop an attack strategy which will deal with four legs. But if the most prominent thing that we think about is the trunk, we're only only going to ever defend the trunk. And it mm-hmm. seems you know very simplistic uh, when you you, go, you kind of go through it. But actually, I think a lot of people, um, when they're developing defense strategies or defense technologies or defense systems, because they have that complete picture, that biases them to uh, develop the defenses in in certain ways, which perhaps may not ever be triggered because the attacker might not see the whole of the network. How important is it to get a fresh set of eyes on your network, to get an outsider, perhaps a third party, to take a look at it without that insider information? Well, I think that's very important in terms of the the whole idea of penetration testing and vulnerability uh, assessments, this idea of having an external party acting as that attacker, as that particular threat agent is is really useful. And uh, we've seen 
really strong examples of that, for example, the CBEST scheme that's used in the UK and now being exported more widely, which takes an intelligence-led attack pen-testing uh, approach where they, um, you know, they take a, an intelligence approach to try and identify the types of attackers which will come up against an organization and then attempt to really mimic uh, that, that attacker behavior so that we can get a real sense of how attackers would approach that network and open up those avenues of attack, which perhaps because we know more about the network than we think we do, uh, do tend to cause us to not but think about and maybe go in a different direction. All right. Daniel Prince, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now.